Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? It's time for the Get Ready Show! The best in pro wrestling talk. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold This right here is the future of wrestling. And it begins now. Gentlemen, you tuned in to the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk, as we get you set for SummerSlam 2017. Lots to get into tonight. We want to hear from you. Give us a call. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Before we get into anything, just got to, all of us here at the Ken Reedy Show are sending out well wishes to the nature boy, Ric Flair who seems to be kicking out at two. Lots of concerns via the Nature Boy's health this week. But last report is that he is awake, he is speaking, and perhaps he's even cutting promos on nurses. So all the best wishes to one of, if not the greatest of all time, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. We're all pulling for you here. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. As you can go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. We got a show chat going on over there. If you can't call in but want your voice heard, head on over there. We got a raw chat every Monday night on the Facebook page. Check that out over there. Twitter, you can follow us at The Ken Reedy Show is our Twitter handle. And you can also check out our website, thekenreedyshow.com. Lots of stuff over there, as well as a link to listen to the show. So head on over to The Ken Reedy Show. Dot com to give us a listen. You can check us out on one of two great radio networks, 1640PWPR, as well as B-plus Players Radio Network. Check us out over there. You can subscribe to either of those fine networks, and it's for free. So head on over there. Make sure you give us a listen and give all the great shows on those networks a listen as well. Lots of stuff to get into tonight, so let's get with it as we go all the way out to Connecticut to bring on my tag team partner, Dave. How are you doing this evening? To quote the famous Vince McMahon from some of the early SummerSlam intros when he'd do the voiceover as the pay-per-view would begin, it's SummerSlam! 
living ain't easy. I'm doing good, guys. I'm pumped. This is a pretty big show. It's the second biggest show in WWE's year. I'm ready to dive into it with you guys. I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, that's about it for me. And it's a huge show. We also got it's become tradition on our pay-per-view Sundays and our throwback show. So you're here a lot more often with independent wrestling sensation Rocky Santiago is here as well. Rocky, how you doing this evening? Doing good, Ken. Dave, as always, thank you for having me. And uh, after my extensive tour of uh, Whitehall, Pennsylvania, or Whitehaven, Pennsylvania, it's good to be here in studio at the Ken Reedy Show. And I'm looking forward to uh, going over SummerSlam. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. I got to tell you guys, like, a, I got to tell you a funny story, man. Like, and don't make fun, but uh, I went to see Lionel Richie the other night in concert, and he was awesome. Mariah Carey, not so much, but Lionel was incredible. And Lionel, and I, I had not heard any stories, but I'm wondering if like Bray Wyatt or someone else, or not Bray Wyatt, uh, Braun Strowman, was at the Lionel Richie show backstage really? because. Lionel Richie, and I was hoping he would come out, but Lionel Richie, in the beginning of his concert, said I, there was this guy backstage who was like seven foot tall, over 300 pounds, and he walked up to me and said, I've made love to you. <laughs> now that wow. Is- Lionel's like, no, you did not. And his wife was there and said, yes, he has. I was there. Oh, God. And Lionel's like, oh, wow. I'm doubly sure I was not. So I was like, I was like so hoping that like Braun was gonna like walk out on stage or something. He's like Sunday. I'm not finished with you yet. But I thought that was a funny story, but no, I don't know, and I haven't heard any reports of the dirt sheets. But if anyone has heard that like one of the WWE wrestlers was backstage at Lionel Richie this weekend, uh, please let us know at three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We got a lot to get into, and this is a historic weekend. The WWE taking over Brooklyn. And we're not, look, there's 13 matches on SummerSlam. We are not going to dissect and and go match by match for NXT because then we would have a five-hour show. But I do think that it's worth mentioning that NXT, again, blew the doors off in in Brooklyn last night. And, you know, I just, I wanted to hit upon one specific individual, and that's Bobby Roode. And I've been a fan of Bobby Roode for a long time. And going back to Beer Money and TNA, and for for me, Bobby Roode, I always I was always a fan of his, but I never looked at him as a main eventer until there was one episode of Impact that he cut a promo on Hogan, and I was like, wow, this guy actually has something. There's something there. And what I've really been impressed with Bobby Roode is to watch him over the years improve. You, you see a lot of people that are very talented. And, and they, 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 they're good at what they do, but they kind of, they stagnate, you know, and there are people even like, you know, Rocky, we wrestle on the independent scene. You see some guys who are really talented and they stay there, but there's a guy, I'll, I'll put him over a guy like Matthias, Matthias glass. That dude is always improving, oh, always yeah. trying to add to his move set, always training, you know, always he, just he puts the work in. He puts the work in. And that's the kind of guy that like, I, I admire that. I admire him, you know, he talks about making it, but he talks the talk and he walks the walk. And that's what I love about Matthias. And, and I admire that. I really do. I, in any walk of life, when you're successful and you still go out of your way to improve. And what Bobby Roode has been able to do over the years, to me, is phenomenal. It is just incredible what he's done. Arguably maybe the best in the business right now. 
He's got an entrance that gets the crowd off like a Finn Balor or a Nakamura entrance, but has more charisma than probably Finn or Nakamura have in, in their in their whole body in his pinky. I mean, I mean, Bobby Roode has just got all the charisma. He can cut a promo. He can tell a story in that ring. Bobby Roode has everything work, every aspect of being a pro wrestler. He's nailing it right now. There's sure. not, there's no holes in his game. And, his game. and he might be the, like I said, he might be the best in the business. And watching him uh, last night, I actually watched it today, but watching what he did last night and losing that NXT title, um, and, and props to Drew McIntyre because that sure. dude is, is improving as well. Yeah. Um, I was actually pumped that he lost the title because I want to see Bobby Roode on that main roster. I, I was so impressed with, with everything I've seen with him in NXT and just, just bring him up already. You know, I just, and I'd like to see him at least start mid card, but I think about Bobby Roode now and I'm like, man, if like the Miz or, or like a Kevin Owens is cutting a promo, you know, and they're like, nobody's here. Like, who's going to go after my title? This is my title. Nobody here is good enough. And like, glorious, like starts playing. <laughs> Holy cow. Like the, the roof is going to blow off. That guy is ready for the main roster when he's there. I mean, fingers crossed creative uses him correctly, but I don't know. I think he's so talented right now. They could give him like the, the drizzle shit like program and somehow Bobby Roode would make it work. I'm just so impressed with what he's doing right now. Bring him up. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I remember when, you know, watching his debut in NXT and, and that first, you know, glorious and, and watching him descend from the heavens. And I'm like, holy smokes, this was like the, the planets aligning because you know what? It, it's easy and WWE obviously has the tops of the biz when it comes to producing an entrance and music and the, the, vi- the visuals, and the video and whatnot. They have top-notch guys for that. So, yes, we can put together a great entrance for you. But after the music cuts out and after the lights die down, if you don't got it, if you don't have the charisma, if you don't have the back, then you're going to fall flat on your bloody face. You know, you built us up for what? Bobby Roode is the exact opposite of that. You know, you build us up with this great big entrance and, you know, he has truly become and he's grown into something very special and I think it's going to be great to watch him develop more as he moves up to the main roster. I mean, one of the things, and, and I, a few years ago, I saw him at House of Hardcore. And the one thing that really impressed me was um, he wrestled Austin Aries. And just about every move in their match, I've learned how to do. And I am <laughs> no Bobby I mean, I'm not even remotely putting myself in that category. But it was just incredible to see, like, it's not necessarily the spots and the crazy maneuvers, it's, it's how you do them, how crisp they are, where you put them in the match, and, and, and how you present everything and how you present your character. And, and it's the subtleties that has really, uh, to me, like just Bobby Roode. I mean, I can't, like I look at him right now and I'm like, there's, if I tried to criticize him, I, I don't know if I could. Like he's just, it, it's just pretty impressive to see a guy who, Honestly, I, I think a lot of people would have looked at him as a tag team specialist a few years back. Beer money, kick-ass tag team. Sure. But I don't know if anybody would have earmarked Bobby Roode to being the best in the biz. And, and to me, right now, he is right up there. Dave, I, I'm just I, 
I'm gushing a little bit, but I'm so impressed that Bobby Roode's been bringing to the table. Guys, let's continue this love fest of Bobby Roode because I agree with both of you. A tremendous talent. And if you guys remember, I don't know, Rock, if you were on the show or not, but when Roode made his NXT debut, we discussed the potential of how far he could climb in the WWE. And I specifically remember myself saying it all depended on how good of a run he was going to have in NXT. And I think his run has been tremendous. I think this has been the best of Bobby Roode that we have seen, even his days in TNA. And I was a big mark from him then. Beer, beer money, the, the, the dirty heels with Austin Aries. Uh, you know, I even liked his stuff when he was in Team Canada, when he tagged with Eric Young in the early days of TNA. I loved him then. I thought he was – he reminded me a lot – from an in-ring perspective of what Arn Anderson was in professional wrestling, except Rude gained more charisma over time. To me, Bobby Rude, from an in-ring perspective, is like double-A Arn Anderson, but with a, a personality even more. And to me, I think after seeing the run that he's had now with the Glorious and the entrance and you know his overall presentation in NXT, he's evolved from his days in TNA. And he, did, he, he accomplished a lot in TNA. He did, and, and he was a star there, but he became even a bigger star when he came to WWE and currently in NXT. And the rumor is he's hitting the main roster soon, within the next, I'd say, month or so, if not sooner. And he's going to be up there in the top, you know, in the title picture with some of the top guys, whether that be on Raw or SmackDown. But they, they see a lot in him. They're very high on him. And for a guy who came from TNA, and usually Vince doesn't really – Touch too many guys that come from outside organizations doesn't really put a whole lot of emphasis on them. He did with this Triple H did as well, and sky's the limit for Bobby Roode. I think he's going to be very successful once he hits the main roster. And, and to me, like what's interesting is like when you look at like other TNA talent, like a Samoa Joe, like an AJ Styles, who the WWE have done right by and, and done a really nice job with the two of them. I, I think Bobby Roode's got potential to far exceed both of them. I, I mean, because like I said, I can't, I can't. I, I wish I could. I wish I could sit here and say, I'm going to find something he's not doing right. But, like, his entrance, like, the fact that he's got an entrance that, you know, right now I'd probably have to say it's like Nakamura and Finn Balor are the two guys that, like, just have that entrance that the, the crowd just absolutely gets behind. It's just the, the, the doors are blown off as soon as the music starts. But let's face it, like, Finn Balor, I mean, Finn Balor charisma-wise, promo-wise, eh. You know, needs a little bit of work. Uh, a lot of charisma, I think, when Finn Balor does the demon character. That gives you a little different flair. Um, solid in-ring guy. Um, but I think the charisma is kind of lacking a little bit. Nakamura, a lot of times, can't understand what the hell he's saying. So <laughs> it might be a great promo. He might be the Asian Roddy Piper. I'm not 100% sure. So when I think of, like, promo work and charisma, like, great entrance. Amazing entrance. Similar. Backs it up in the ring. Um, Character-wise, a little, little, little lacking. Charisma-wise, a little lacking. So, And I'm not saying that both those guys can't get better, um, and there's not an upside. But right now, Bobby Roode's got, like, that entrance that's going to get everyone off, and he's got everything else to match. Well, yeah, it, it, it's, there's something to be said for character development. And I think I just wanted to touch a little bit on the differences between Bobby Roode and Nakamura, uh, another another superstar who's definitely has the crowd behind him, who's definitely, you know, getting his push. With with Nakamura, you know, his character, I, honestly, I'm and I'm getting to be a Nakamura fan, 
but I'm still not 100%. What exactly is your character? You're a Japanese guy who dresses like Michael Jackson in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, you just mean maybe is a Japanese guy who's a big Michael Jackson fan. I, I guess that's your character. Like, and maybe it's you know maybe it's something unconventional, untraditional. Call it what you will. But you know, I, at least I can look at Bobby Roode. Okay, this guy is a cocky son of a bitch who thinks he's God's gift. Okay, I get that. It's simple. It works. Uh, you know, not hard to sell. Uh, and that could be the difference between you know the charisma that Bobby Roode has, and you know, not that Nakamura does not have charisma at all, but it's maybe a little bit lost in the translation because that character just does not come through solidly. And it's interesting, you know, when you look at Nakamura, Nakamura going for the WWE title tonight. And, you know, in a world, in a world, in a world where, let's face it, there's a lot of tensions, a lot of um, America's, America's in a place right now. Let's look to pro wrestling. Let's look to pro wrestling for tolerance and, and, and uh, that warm and fuzzy feeling. Two non-American born competitors going after the WWE title tonight. I found that very intriguing, uh, having a anti-American champion and you're having a non-American born wrestler as the challenger. Um, I, very intriguing. You know, it's interesting to have like that, like that guy that that's pushing that ethnocentrism button. That's, that's being non-American, but SummerSlam biggest party of the summer, second biggest pay-per-view of the year. They don't go the obvious route of getting that all-American hero. I think a lot of us thought John Cena against Jinder Mahal would be the matchup for SummerSlam. They don't go that route. They go to Nakamura. Dave, as a resident historian, I find this very intriguing, something that hasn't happened often in the history of the WWE. Well, Ken, when we discussed this in a little pre-show meeting yesterday, talking about this match we discussed, uh, you know, how many other times has this taken place? Well, tonight at SummerSlam will be the ninth time on pay-per-view that two non-American wrestlers will compete in singles mat- in a singles match for a world championship. The other eight times this has taken place, beginning in 1994 with Brett and Owen Hart, Canadian, for the WWE Championship inside of a steel cage at SummerSlam 94. A year later, Brett and the Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, at the December 1995 In Your House pay-per-view, Canadian and English. Edge and Rey Mysterio, twice at the Royal Rumble in 2008 and the following month at No Way Out. Edge and Alberto Del Rio at WrestleMania 27. Christian and Alberto Del Rio in an Extreme Rules ladder match for the World Heavyweight title in 2011. And most recently, Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio, back-to-back, Money in the Bank 2012 and SummerSlam 2012, were the only matches that had two non-Americans competing for the World Championship in a singles match. And I'm not counting all the gimmick matches, multi-man matches, where we've seen guys from different ethnicities and different countries in the title picture. I'm just talking about straight-up singles matches. So tonight will be a rarity that we'll see two non-Americans competing for the title. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's you know, it's it's one of those interesting things that it's not um, like storytelling wise, it's not necessarily like a a, a storyline that you really can like get behind because the story is a guy who's anti-American is the champion, and someone who's pro-American should be going after the title. That's that's the story to be told. So that the story is not; it's just a 
a guy who won the number one contendership and is going after the title, which is fine. I mean, you don't necessarily need a, a convoluted story. Um, but I do think, like, you know, we look at this WWE title match. I think this match is going to be intriguing. Um, quite frankly, though, if I'm being honest, I'm just really sick, sick of Super Nakamura. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Obviously, he's just Vince's boy, and Vince is just going to book him right to the title. He's just Super Nakamura. And I'm just so sick and tired of every goddamn match. I just have to be bored to tears because it doesn't matter who he's wrestling. He's always going to win, except for tonight. He loses tonight. <laughs> that is my pick. I think, like, Nakamura is over. Um, he's got time to win that title. Do we have a situation where Nakamura wins perhaps via DQ but doesn't win the title? I could see something like that. But to me, Nakamura is a superstar right now. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but he is. He's over. He's a superstar. I don't matter. Um, he doesn't need it. I think we're, in the, we're still in the process, even though it's a WWE title, of building Jinder Mahal, of, of building a, a, a new main event star. Um, so I do think at this point, for me, the jury is still out as far as Jinder Mahal's title run. And to get heat, why not have Jinder Mahal hand Nakamura a loss at SummerSlam where this crowd is going to be dying, dying for Nakamura to win that WWE title? Uh, to me, this is an opportunity to really continue to cement Jinder Mahal as a main event heel, I go with Mahal for the victory. Well, Ken, uh, even after hearing all that, I am going to have to agree with you. Um, I think this is a very fresh take on an angle, you know, a true clash of cultures, neither of them being American, not what you'd be expecting. But I thought it was interesting when, uh, when Nakamura cut that promo, which I actually understood more than half of it. Uh, you know, whereas you had Jinder obviously being very nationalistic, India, 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 and you had Nakamura pointing out that, you know, this is a day where we honor our war dead pan, like making it, you know, touching on that nerve, I, I thought was very interesting. But in this particular case, I agree with you, Ken. Nakamura is a bona fide star. Uh, he is completely over with the crowd. He doesn't need the belt. You know, well, let's let's remember where Jinder came from. Jinder came from three and B. Uh, he, he was he was not that big of a star. You need to build him up. You know, and all kudos to WWE and Jinder. I think he's been doing a great job. I think he's been really elevating the title as a heel, you know, himself. But I still think he needs that belt for a while. Um, and this is the beginning of the chase. There's no reason to, you know, cut the chase at one match. Let's let it ride. I definitely say Jinder will be getting the victory tonight. And it's worth pointing out that right now, two-thirds of 3MB holding major titles right now in the <laughs> WWE. Who knew? Dave, what are your thoughts on this matchup? This match is a dark horse for me in terms of match quality because these are two different styles and two guys who have never faced each other in the ring. So there's potential for this match to stink and blow the joint out, or this is potential for it to be really, really good. So I'm kind of intrigued in this match or to see this match because of the two contrasting styles and the fact that these two guys are relatively new to the main event in WWE. Normally you would see John Cena holding it down or a Brock Lesnar 
which we'll talk about later. But these two are two different guys in the WWE title picture, so it's different and it's fresh and it's intriguing to me. Uh, with that being said, both of you guys make great points across the board about both talents. Um, it's still, like, like you said, Rock, it's still too early for Nakamura. So with that being said, I'm going to differ with the both of you, and I'm going to say that Shinsuke Nakamura is going to win tonight's match, but he will not leave with the WWE Championship, whether it's some kind of disqualification finish or some sort of screw job or whatever the case is. Shinsuke will win and get the victory, but he will not leave with the title, setting up a rematch between the two down the road. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm I'm not even going to like it. We didn't need to vamp. We got like a ton of matches together, but we start yeah. off with the WWE title. That's fake. But let's get into it. You know, this is interesting, and and we're gonna get into it uh, over the at least I am during the course of the show. I think there's been some stuff um, that, that it was uh, maybe I I, I want to say interesting. I'm being nice, but stuff I wasn't crazy about leading into SummerSlam. And one of those things, I was really surprised to see Neville. Who again? Dave probably knows better than me, but correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the longest tenured champion at the time, um, holding that WWE Cruiserweight Championship, to lose the belt leading into SummerSlam didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I just thought you could have built it to SummerSlam. I, I I don't know. I just didn't see the the point of him losing the belt before SummerSlam. So he gets his return match tonight against Akira Tozawa. Ha, 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 Rock, how do you see this match going? Well, uh, if it goes anything like the last match I had, I think this can definitely, uh, you know, tear the house down. Uh, both of these competitors are, are solid in the ring. Uh, they have good chemistry together. And absolutely, Ken, it was surprising to see Akira pick up the belt uh, on Raw uh, didn't expect it, but you know, in recent memory, you can think of another belt that's been kind of you know contentious and has been dropped and handed back and forth uh, on shows that have not been televised. And uh, of course, I'm speaking to the U.S. Championship and uh, the matches between AJ and Kevin Owens. Um, whether this is a vehicle just to get more heat behind the match, not to interrupt, but I just as we get into this matchup, I just want to interject because. The Hardy Boys and Jason Jordan versus The Miz Taraj is actually kicking us off right now. Wow. So I, I would like to get our picks in for that match before we continue to dissect this cruiserweight match. And in all honesty, we talked about the Jordan angle. We're not crazy about it. But to me, let's go quick with this. I just think it's pretty obvious. Jordan's the guy they're trying to push right now. They're putting him with the Hardys to get that pop. To me, like the Hardys and Jordan win this matchup. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much about it. I'm going to agree with you, Ken. I say, I say Hardy and Jordan. And Dave? Patrick. All right. Now, now continue with your shoot <laughs> <story. laughs> But before I continue. I, I thought this, you guys would have got that one. <laughs> but before I continue, I'm just going to say, Jesus, when did you think you could see the Hardys at a pre-show match? That, that, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other discussion. But anyway. Uh, going back to Tozawa and Neville. Um, again, great chemistry. Uh, you know, obviously they traded the belt unexpectedly. Uh, to my point, I'm going to greet you quickly. I think you're going to see Neville pick up the belt again from Akira Tozawa. Uh, I'm, I say the king of the cruise race is going to come away with the victory and the belt. That's my pick. What do you think, Dave? 
Um, I think that this Titus Worldwide thing has been kind of catching on. I couldn't stand Titus O'Neil almost as much as Mojo Rawley, but I've been actually enjoying this uh, th- this run that he's had with picking up some of the mid-carders and the lower-card guys and giving them some personality. And I think it's also giving the Cruiserweight Championship some personality too, not taking away what Neville has done with that belt because I've enjoyed Neville's run with the title. But I think Tazawa takes the victory tonight, and we continue on with – the tightest worldwide brand, and the Cruiserweight Championship. And I am going to agree with Dave. I, um, I agree with you. With the, uh, the tightest brand, it, it's kind of catching on. And to have, like, that shitty a title run would just, like, kill it. And to me, like, right now, and again, it's that whole, like, building of characters thing that Neville is over now. Neville has built himself. Neville matters in the cruiserweights. Um, you got to continue to build more characters. Uh, to me, if Tazawa drops that belt tonight, I, I'm really, I, I mean, I'm not the, like, again, ca- I'm a character guy. I'm not like totally enamored by his character as it is. Um, right now, I think, you know, having Titus O'Neil with him, you can kind of build him up now, build the Titus brand. Um, add to this cruiserweight because we've been very critical on this show about the cruiserweights that, you know, give me something that matters. You've given us Neville. Neville matters now. Uh, Neville doesn't need that belt. To me, for the time being, I think Tazawa does need the belt, and let's let's build him up into something special and then maybe continue to build characters in the cruiserweight division to give us something we can actually sink our teeth into. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. You want to talk some SummerSlam, but right now we're gonna take a little break from our discussion because we got a very special two-parter as Dave gives you our SummerSlam edition of his pay-per-view throwback. Dave, take it away. Welcome, class. This lesson plan is a special one, as we are approaching the 30th SummerSlam this evening. And with an event so rich in history, a lot of variables can be identified by numbers. So with that being said, tonight's lesson plan is going to break things down for you. I'll give you all the ins and outs on historical facts and figures from SummerSlam events and its performers over the years. So let's not waste any time as I present to you part one of SummerSlam by the numbers. Number 30. Tonight's SummerSlam is the 30th installment in WWE history, but when it comes to the number 30 in SummerSlam, there's a lot more to it than that. Only two SummerSlam events have taken place on the 30th of August, the first in 1993 from Auburn Hills, Michigan, as the Lex Express steamrolled their way towards the WWE title and the champion, Yokozuna. And in 1998, the Highway to Hell made its stop in New York City's Madison Square Garden with all the stars from WWE's Attitude Era on hand. Number 29, last year's SummerSlam was the 29th in WWE history. For the first time in history, WWE crowned a new universal heavyweight champion as Finn Balor defeated Seth Rollins amidst a brutal shoulder injury Balor suffered early on in the match. Number 28, the number 28 is very significant with SummerSlam, but on a more personal level, because when I was 28 years old in 2011, the second annual Rosenslam commenced indoors due to treacherous thunderstorms in the Northeast, as a packed house, which also included Ken Reedy and all-star Michelle D., witnessed CM Punk and John Cena collide for the right to be called the undisputed WWE champion. 
was also on this night that Randy Orton and Christian tore down the Staples Center in a classic no-holds-barred match for the World Heavyweight Championship. 27. The 27th match in SummerSlam history took place in 1990 as Macho King Randy Savage defeated Dusty Rhodes in 2 minutes and 15 seconds, but not without controversy as the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase appeared in the arena to inform the American Dream of his newest purchase, that being Rhodes' manager, Sweet Sapphire. In the weeks leading up to the match, Sapphire had been receiving anonymous yet expensive gifts from a mystery individual with deep pockets. And this night, we all found out who was behind these actions, and we also found out Sapphire indeed had a price for the million-dollar man. 26. The 26th of August, 1991, the very first SummerSlam pay-per-view event my father allowed me to order. My fandom as a young boy was at an all-time high. A loaded card highlighted by the match made in heaven as Macho Man Randy Savage joined Miss Elizabeth in holy matrimony in front of 20,000-plus inside Madison Square Garden. The first couple of professional wrestling sealed the deal on that night, but what this night is also remembered for is what happened after SummerSlam went off the air. The following weekend on WWF Superstars, this young, impressionable wrestling fan witnessed exclusive footage of a horrifying wedding reception as Jake the Snake Roberts and The Undertaker crashed the party, attacking Macho Man and scaring Elizabeth with the sight of a King Cobra popping out one of the gift boxes as she was getting ready to open it in front of all the guests and the wedding's MC for the evening, Mean Gene Okerlund. 25. 25 minutes the amount of time it took the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith and Bret the Hitman Hart to create the masterpiece in 1992 from the United Kingdom inside Wembley Stadium, a match that has made the SummerSlam highlight reel ever since. And after recently watching this, I can't argue that point for it making the highlight reel. 24, the age of a young Randy Orton when he won his very first World Heavyweight Championship in 2004 as he defeated Chris Benoit from the Air Canada Centre in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He would become the youngest World Heavyweight Champion in WWE history. 23. This number is sentimental to me, and, and I'm sure we will get into this piece of history more in depth on one of our retrospective shows down the line. But the number 23 is significant with the first time I met Ken Reedy. The first ever Rosen Slam took place prior to the 2010 SummerSlam event, the 23rd SummerSlam, I might add. A backyard full of wrestling fans dining on some summertime grub from the grill as Ken and I began what would be a beautiful friendship lasting to this very day. On this night, we witnessed John Cena single-handedly bury the red-hot Nexus angle and their existence in the closing moments of the main event as Cena no-sold a DDT on solid concrete to come back and eliminate the remaining three Nexus members to obtain victory for Team WWE. 22. The length of time it took Shawn Michaels to defeat Vader in 1996 to retain his WWF title. But how he got there is the real story. In the weeks leading up to this match, Vader had held the edge over Michaels with two victories in tag team encounters. Vader's manager, Jim Cornette, proclaimed Michaels couldn't beat Vader one-on-one at SummerSlam, regardless of the circumstances. On this night, Michaels was out to prove the Prince of Polyester wrong. Vader had originally beaten Michaels twice in this match. First, when Vader tossed the heartbreak kid out into the guardrail, resulting in a countout, and also by disqualification when Michaels used Cornette's tennis racket to repeatedly assault Vader. Cornette demanded the match restart on both occasions as he was fully aware the title cannot change hands via a countout or disqualification. When Michaels agreed to those terms, then World Wrestling Federation President Gorilla Monsoon agreed and the fight was on. 
amidst all the chaos after the multiple restarts, Michaels was able to pull out the victory and retain his championship. 21. It's the legal drinking age in the United States of America. 21 is also the date in August of 2005 that we witnessed the first and only time these two met inside a WWE ring as Hulk Hogan returned to SummerSlam to face the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Two legends from two different eras facing off in a wrestling dream match. As a fan of both individuals, I was in heaven. As long as... As long as this match was entertaining, I didn't care who won or lost on this night. I wasn't disappointed. Now, there's some behind-the-scenes controversy that's well-documented between these two, which makes many fans believe this match is tainted, but I could care less. Michaels may have oversold a lot of the Hulkster's offense, but it made for a very fun main event. And it's too bad that the politics behind the scenes prevented a second match between these two. Number 20. This magic number symbolizes the amount of SummerSlam pay-per-view events WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler has commentated at, with his first being in 1994. Aside from the 20 SummerSlam events the King has called, he has only competed in three. In 93 against Bret the Hitman Hart, 1996 against Jake the Snake Roberts, and in 2000 against Taz. Number 19. In 2006, Ric Flair and Mick Foley went to war in a bloodbath of an I Quit match, which saw Flair prevail. At that time in 2006, between both men, collectively, they had 19 reigns as world champion. Flair with his infamous 16 reigns and Foley with his three reigns as WWE champion. Foley did go on to hold the TNA World Heavyweight Championship in 2009, but most people seem to purposely forget that particular time in Mick's career, and I don't blame them. Number 18. In the summer of 2001, I just graduated high school at the ripe age of 18 years old. It was at that SummerSlam event we witnessed for the first and only time WCW championships contested. X-Pac successfully defended the Cruiserweight title against WWF light heavyweight champion Tajiri. Undertaker and Kane captured both the WWF and WCW tag team titles inside a steel cage against Diamond Dallas Page and Canyon. And The Rock took down the five-time WCW champion Booker T in that evening's main event. Number 17. Is the magic number of title reigns between the participants in last year's main event between Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton. Current Universal Champion Brock Lesnar is also a three-time WWE Champion, adding to his impressive resume, while Randy Orton, a 13-time World Champion with nine reigns as WWE Champ and four reigns as the now-defunct World Heavyweight Championship. And the last number on part one of the SummerSlam by the numbers countdown is number 16, Ric Flair. Has, held, has long held the record for 16 world title reigns before John Cena tied that record earlier this year at the Royal Rumble. Flair didn't compete in his first official SummerSlam match until 2002 when he defeated Chris Jericho. Cena would make his SummerSlam debut two years later as he defeated Booker T in the first match of their best of five series for the United States title. That will do it, folks, for part one of SummerSlam by the Numbers. Stay tuned to the top of the hour for the second half of this countdown as I will be delving into some more statistical history for SummerSlam of years prior. But for now, let's send it back to Rocky and Ken with some more SummerSlam 2017 coverage. Take it away, boys. And we're wrong. Really? As the Miztourage emerges victorious as Miz pins Jordan. Oh, so go figure. Okay. What the F do we know? <laughs> Goddamn! Alright, so we're all not on the board. <laughs> Nothing like starting in the hole. 
<laughs> it's like we pick three matches, we have one hat trick, and we we all get that wrong. God, we suck. <laughs> so let's get into like the other pre-show match and uh, goddamn SmackDown's got to do something about their tag team division. They need to get me more excited about the tag team division. I dig New New Day. I love the Usos and their new new character. But I'll be honest with you, am, am I overly excited about this matchup? No, I'm not. Um, do I think it's going to be a good match? Yeah, I do. And I think all, everyone involved is talented. Storytelling-wise and everything else, um, I'm not overly thrilled about, about this matchup. But, you know, Dave, I think we'll get something entertaining. But it is what it is, and maybe that's why it's on the pre-show, man. It's why it's on the pre-show. Um, I'm – only excited from the in-ring action because I think it's going to be a great match. I'm not excited on what either team is going to be doing following this match because I think there is a lack of depth in the SmackDown tag team division. And I feel like that they've been kind of dragging this out with New Danny Usos as much as I've liked it. And I felt like that this has really helped elevate the Usos even further. Um, I'm just afraid of what's going to come after this match. But nonetheless, it should be a fun match. Brooklyn crowd should be into it. Um, and I'm going to go with New Day taking the victory. They just got the belts, so I wouldn't see why they would take the belts off of them. But, you know, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm honestly, I'm, I'm agreeing with you right there. And, and just basically for that reason, they just got them. Um, why would you say, I mean, you know, maybe you do have like a, a team debut. Someone comes up from NXT and screws New Day and that puts New Day off, you know, in a – kind of a grudge rivalry with a, another tag team. I don't know, but I kind of, I'm just going to take it safe. I think new day retains the title as well. Well, yeah, that, that is definitely the, the safe call uh, as far as the tag team titles. And that's exactly why I'm not going to make it. I'm going to say the Usos come out with it and they, they grab the belts. Um, it's obvious that these two teams have chemistry. They've had chemistry in, in this whole rivalry, but I can agree with you guys that, you know, we've seen these guys clash uh, a couple of times now, and it's time to put a period on it. And while the New Day don't really require belts to re- maintain their popularity, their popularity is through the roof, and it's not going anywhere, I think uh, having the belts does the Usos good. Uh, I've enjoyed their, their character development, and I've enjoyed where they're going with it. And I think they really need those belts in order to keep that character development thriving. So I'm actually going to go against the grain and say Usos come out with the belts. You know, a little bit tonight. You're kind of in an against the grain kind of mood, nonconformist kind of place you're yeah, at tonight. Yeah. Maybe a little anarchy. A little anarchy. Well, from anarchy to, oh, Jesus, we got a phone call from a couple of marks. Uh-oh. I kid, I kid. I use a couple of marks as a term of affection as we have the hosts of a couple of marks, a podcast. Uh, they're calling in as our producer, Michelle, gives us the the nod and tells us uh, Cameron, Chris, and Coach for a couple of marks podcast are calling in, so let's bring them up. Guys, how you doing this evening? Hey, what's going on, Ken? How are you? We're doing all right. How are you doing? We're doing fantastic. Just watched uh, the Mistrash pick up a, a win in front of a raucous 25 people. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you said that because I was I was watching like I have the the screen like pulled up as we do the show and I'm like, wow, there's like nobody there. Like everyone's looking to get their like 
last beer down during the tailgate before they, they get into the arena. But, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of empty seats out there. New York, they're fashionably late. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You would assume the, that it, the Hardys even being on the pre-show is weird enough to say out loud, but you would think they'd at least be the last show in front of a full arena. Yeah, you would think, but uh, I guess it's uh... – I don't know, like you said, it's New York, it's you get there fashionably late, that must be it. But uh it looked from what I saw, it looked like an okay matchup. Uh didn't look like it was gonna set the world on fire, but it looked okay. I'm curious for you guys, like is there a match tonight that you look at as you know, the match you're looking forward to most or maybe a match you look at as a show stealer? Uh I think the match we were looking forward to the most happened last night. Yeah. Um <laughs> The potential show stealer, though, might come on the pre-show with Neville and Tozawa. Ah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I can see that being a show stealer. I'm curious, what was the match last night that you think is the match of the weekend? Um, that would be Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Almas. That was, that was a real good match. Yeah, I think every every match on the NXT card was a real good match. Take your pick. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah, down the line, it just it just got better throughout the night. I... Yeah, that that card up and down was incredible. We had so much fun watching that. Best takeover that's ever occurred. Probably the best pay-per-view in the 2017 calendar year. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at, like, when you look at what NXT is bringing to the table and, uh, you know, what they gave us in their main event. And we, we opened the show. We're talking about uh, – we just – we kind of gushed here for a while at how great Bobby Roode is and what he's bringing to the table. Um, you know, I think NXT definitely set the bar that uh, – you know, when you look at the, I mean, if you're a member of the main roster and you have any sense of competition, you got to be sitting there thinking NXT set the bar high. We, we got to do something to entertain this Brooklyn crowd, because let's face it, when you, when you have events like this and you have a weekend like this, a lot of the fans are at NXT last night are going to be going to SummerSlam tonight, and they're going to be directly comparing the two shows. And when NXT sets the bar that high, you know, you gotta. You hope the the uh, the main roster takes that and says, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna one up you. But do they do that tonight? It remains yeah. to be seen. Yeah, no, I could not agree with you more. I think even even further into it, I think Oscar and Ember set the bar incredibly high for the women's matches that will be going on tonight. I don't. There will not be a better women's match this weekend or maybe for the next couple of months that we saw with Oscar and Ember last night. Yeah, I thought that match was incredible. And it does, you're right. It's, it's, like, it's one of those weird things right now in, in the WWE, and maybe it's especially in the women's division where, you know, they're really setting the bar, like, pretty high in NXT. And, yeah, I, I agree with you right now. And I have high hopes. I, I love Natalia, And I think Natalia and Naomi's got a lot of potential to be a real good match. And honestly, I think Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss has a lot of potential too. But do they have? Is there any shot that the, either one of those matches tops what we saw last night? If I'm being honest and fair, I don't think either one of those matches top what we saw last night. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the real question would be: Is there any shot that these matches get more than eight minutes? Yeah, yeah. That's a good point too, Dave. I'm curious because you're, you're you're hanging back there in the background. What are your thoughts on the ladies' match last night? Awesome. Truly awesome. Uh, you guys are right. It's probably going to be the best women's match of the, of the weekend. And I would go as far as to say it was probably the best match of the weekend until, you know, what we see tonight. But, yeah, I was – and to be honest with you, when they 
when one of those girls gets called up to the main roster, it'll truly be a sad day for the women's division in NXT. Hopefully the girls from this May Young Classic will fill that void, but, man, when one of those girls hits the main roster, forget about it. They're gonna, especially Asuka. She's going to be serving a lot of people, you know, putting people on notice. No, I completely agree with that. After after the match like, last night, that I don't know if Ember was just hanging out because she was overcome with emotion, but somebody could make an argument that that looked an awful lot like a curtain call last night. That's a good point. I mean, do we see her come up? And, that, and look, the way uh, NXT is developing their talent, you know, take your – it's more like – Put them on a dartboard, chuck the dart. You can get any of those guys. They would fare well on the main roster. Uh, Ember Moon, uh, Ashka. I think the women are definitely setting the bar high for themselves. And and they just got word producer Michelle, all-star Michelle D, uh, also concurs that that's uh, one of the best ladies' matches she's ever seen and probably stole the show for the weekend. And honestly, like the ladies, especially on NXT, are stealing a lot of thunder from the guys. I mean, they're they're putting themselves in a position to not just be the best ladies match, but to be one of, if not the best match of the weekend, and and one of the and a, and a match of the year potential candidate. I absolutely agree. We were uh, we were talking earlier uh, during our NXT uh, takeover review, or yeah, review that uh, I, I said that was the best women's match in NXT, and I actually think that's the best women's match in the WWE. I actually ranked that ahead of the the WrestleMania triple threat. I would agree, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, like, last night, it's, uh, it, it was, you know, every so often you watch something in pro wrestling and you realize you're watching something special, and I think last night, uh, when you're sitting there watching that ladies match, you do realize that you're, you're kind of in the middle of watching something pretty special, and, uh, well, keep in mind, it's it's almost becoming a habit because, you know, a previous NXT match in Brooklyn, you know, won uh, Sasha Banks versus Bailey, you know, that was definitely a, a match of the year candidate in itself. Uh, you know, it seems that they're making a habit uh, of bringing, when you come to Brooklyn, when you come to NXT Brooklyn, uh, the ladies uh, are slated to tear the house down and they've been, they've been providing. And by the way, Absolutely. I just got and Dave. Thanks for sending the picture. But we I just got a picture of the arena for the last match, and um, it was not hyperbole. There, there literally appears to be about twenty-five people in there. Which uh, for some of the, my indie shows that I've wrestled on, good night. Yeah, but yeah. For, for SummerSlam, maybe not so much. Uh, yeah, there's like next to nobody in the arena right now for. Uh, uh, these pre-matches, it looks like it's filling in now as we get set for the Cruiserweight Championship. I'm curious, you guys, um, who do you think is going to win this Cruiserweight matchup? Uh, I think we all are in agreement that we would like to see Tozawa retain because, well, okay, two of the three of us are in agreement, so we would like to see Tozawa retain, and we hope that means that it's Neville being pushed out of 205 Live and into the main roster. If, if it pushes pushes him to the main roster, I'm happy. But if it doesn't, it belongs on Neville. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting, and I'm just, like, letting you guys know, as, like, as I'm watching the outside of the arena, it looked like there was a there was a huge crowd of people, and security, like, looked like they gave a go-ahead. And then, like, the whole crowd started moving towards the arena. So I don't know 
what exactly may have been going on outside of the arena, but that does like give us a little bit of an explanation why the arena looked pretty empty that for whatever reason, it appeared as if security was holding people off. Again, I don't have the sound on, I'm just looking at it, but yeah, there was a bunch of security. There's a huge crowd of people. And then they just kind of waved them on and this huge wave just started walking towards the arena as the arena starts to fill up now for this cruiserweight championship match, potentially a, a match of the night candidate. And I agree with you guys. I, I actually am curious for you guys on the show. I'd like to get each of your takes. When you look at a guy like Neville and what he's been able to do uh, in this new incarnation of his character, did you guys see it coming? Because for us on this show, we're kind of surprised that Neville has shown such charisma and such talent in this heel persona. Didn't see it coming beforehand, but I think, honestly, between his athleticism and his character, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's definitely been the MVP of the cruiserweight division. Did you guys see it coming? Uh, for myself, at least, um, I would have to say yes. You know, going back to his NXT days, I think he just built more on that heel persona and cranked it up a little bit. But I feel like you could see it coming. Um, I feel like when he came to the main roster and they made him the crazy uh, over baby face with the incredible moves, it kind of got old for people. But when they unleashed this freak side of him, I think it really revitalized his career. And I think it gives him the the ability to be a main event heel regardless of show. And and I, I feel that the development of his character, that he is one of the top two heels in the company right now, along with Bobby Roode. And who would have uh, thought yeah, that? Like, you look at Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't hear yeah, you. Yeah. I, I, no, no, that's okay. I kind of took me a second there to start talking. Um, uh, yeah, I think with Neville, I think for me, I, I wanted to see this side of him. I didn't think it was going to be this big. So I think I'm shocked that he's gotten over as much of a heel as he has and that it's worked so well. Uh, I'm just, I'm really excited to see how high he's taking this. No pun intended. Yeah, I'm out of there. All right, before I let you go, I just, I got to know, Fatal 4-Way for the Universal title, which one of these behemoths comes home with the Universal title? What are your thoughts? Coach? The, the interesting thing about this match is I will not cry if any of them, any of the four, walk away with the belt because each of them brings something unique to the table. Uh, I'm kind of... I'm kind of pulling for Roman. You know, I'd like to see Roman get it. Okay. Um, I think I'm the outlier here. I think they're going to screw it up. <laughs> and I only say it because you have, you, have, you have three guys who are busting their humps day in and day out, and they're going to be working for nothing. So I think they're going to keep it on Lesnar, and it's uh, it's going to be disappointing. I'm I'm going way dark horse, and I've got Joe winning. That's awesome, man. And, you know, and that, but to me, like, you know, as much as you can be really, and we have been, and a lot of people have been critical of WWE creative um, at times, but I'll tell you, you book like a main event, and you guys, you guys are obviously fans. You know what you're talking about. Three picks, three different picks. That's awesome. That, to me, is what you want out of a main event. You want wrestling fans looking and saying, wow, any one of these guys can win except Braun Strowman. <laughs> but I think that's really cool. So before we let you go, guys, if if people who listen to our show want to listen to a couple of marks, where can they check you guys out? 
Absolutely. Um, and thank you so much for letting us plug. That's awesome. And thanks for letting us hang out with you guys for a couple minutes. Just talk shop. Uh, if you want to, you no can problem. find us. We're on iTunes. Just search a couple marks. That's all one word. Um, you can also find us on WBLDsports.com. Uh, we have all of our podcasts and we have uh, articles written there. We do written content. Um, and then we're always on Twitter and that's at ACM wrestling on Twitter. Very cool, man. Guys, you know, do not be a stranger. We'd love to hear you, hear back from you again. Good stuff. It was a lot of fun talking to you. And uh, give us a call again real soon, man. Absolutely. We will, Ken. Thanks so much for taking time out with us. Right to work, Ken. Take, take it easy, brothers. Enjoy the show tonight. You too. Thank you. And good stuff there as as we spread awesome. the, the, the podcast. I thought they were awesome, too. Like, it's yeah. cool, like three personalities. And uh, we're not going to get into that match yet. But I not do think yet. it's cool. Those guys obviously know what they're talking about. And to have, like, three different picks for that main event, to me, that the WWE did a good job in booking the show. Whether they screw the pooch or not remains to be seen. <laughs> um, but let's get another pick in because, Jesus Christ, we're behind. Um why not? Let's let's pick uh, let's pick one of the ladies' matches. Okay. Uh, you know the ladies potentially stealing the show this weekend, uh, last night. But Naomi Natalia, think that's going to be a kick-ass match. Maybe not the caliber of a match to steal the weekend. But I'll tell you what. Again, to the point, like I said with Bobby Roode, and and guys who like take their crap seriously, I dig Naomi. And I don't know if Naomi was championship material when she she started in the WWE. And I love seeing that improvement. She is championship material now, and especially someone who came from the Divas era mm-hmm. and has been able to get her game up where she is an athlete. She needs to be taken seriously as an athlete. And she's hot, which helps. Always helps. Um, Natalia is amazing. I, to me, in this matchup, this is something, again, to boost Naomi's championship run. I would love to see Natalia wearing this belt, but I think the glow, the glow baby is so over right now. This is just going to continue to make this championship matter. Continue to put Naomi in this main event stratosphere. I dig everything Naomi's doing and honestly, it's it's cheesy as all hell, but the glow thing is over. It, the whole entrance, it, it, it works, and she's another one of those people that like backs up the entrance with what she does in the ring. Naomi retains the title. Well, yeah, no, the whole entrance, the, you know, you can call it cheesy, but if it's cheesy and it works, well, then I guess it's not so cheesy. And for Naomi, it definitely works. And, uh, you know, if you want one of the ladies who gets the crowd pumped up, who gets the crowd, you know, if the crowd is down, if you want them to get back up, shoot Naomi out there with her entrance, and definitely the crowd is back in. Um, both of these competitors, both Naomi and Natalia, bring a lot to the table. But uh, I'm going to kind of go a little bit dark horse here um, because quite frankly, I don't know who comes out better uh, winning this match. Uh, Naomi or Natalia, take your pick. I like, I, I love Natalia. I think Natalia is one of the more underrated wrestlers in, in the women's division. Uh, I think she should have had the belt a long time ago, but that's my only, my only opinion. But at the end of this, I'm going to make the prediction that there will be a cash in because remember, my God, Miss Money in the Bank is still out there, and Carmella has alluded to a cash in at SummerSlam. So, when the dust is settled and 
everything is all cleared, I am saying that Carmella winds up with the women's championship tonight. So is there a victory, though, in the match itself? A victory in the match itself, I will say Naomi pulls it out. And in that, in that basket of victory, after a hard-fought match, I say Carmella cashes, and we have a new women's champion. Wow! Wow! Dave, what do you think? So with that pick, Rock, can we all come to an agreement that if you get that pick correct, not only will you get an extra, you'll get an extra point for Carmella. Can we all agree to that? An extra point for you know, for the for the pick if Carmella does. Yes, I'm, I will yeah. say right now, I I think, that, but we will not get a cash in. So I'm saying no cash in. I'm saying no cash in too, and for. Time purposes. Sounds like an Asian wrestler or something. <laughs> no cash in two. <laughs> Where's no cash in one? Um, <laughs> Akira, no cash in two. There's no, they're, they're math wrestlers. No I'm sorry, for time purposes, Naomi sells a lot of t shirts, glow in the dark t shirts, glow in the dark rubber bands. There's a rumor they're going to make glow in the dark championship belts. You know how much Vince loves to market the shit out of his characters, not his performers. So with that being said, Natalia, you don't got a, 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 any kind of merchandise whatsoever. So just on merchandise purposes alone, Naomi wins. But there's not going to be a cash-in. Dun-dun! Good stuff. As we try to get maybe halfway through this pay-per-view, lots of stuff to pick. Um, but right now, it's time for part deux. Summer Sam throwback. Dave. Take it away. Give me just one second here while I get to my notes for the SummerSlam pay-per-view throwback because my notes are being a little uh, uncooperative with me at the moment. Technology is uh, taking this uh, pay-per-view throw, taking over this pay-per-view throwback here. So with that being said, without further ado, the number 15. The number 15 represents the 15-year anniversary of SummerSlam 2002, one of my personal favorite SummerSlams. It also signifies the amount of men to have been the world champion in their respective careers that appeared at that particular event. Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, Ric Flair, Rob Van Dam, Chris Benoit, Christian Booker T, Edge, Eddie Guerrero, Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, The Rock, and Brock Lesnar. And ironically enough, with the exception of The Undertaker, the other 14 men competed against each other on this card. Kurt Angle defeated Rey Mysterio. As I mentioned before, Flair defeated Jericho. Edge defeated Eddie Guerrero. Christian, along with tag partner Lance Storm of the Un-Americans, retained their tag titles over Booker T and Goldust. RVD regained his intercontinental title over Chris Benoit. Shawn Michaels came out of retirement because he found his smile to defeat Triple H. And Brock Lesnar sent The Rock back into Hollywood to win his first WWE championship on this card. Number 14, John Cena's first WWE title match in 2005 lasted roughly 14 minutes as he successfully defended his title against Chris Jericho. He would go on to take part in eight more WWE championship matches in SummerSlam history. 13, an unlucky number to many, but when it comes to SummerSlam, 13 is the number of SummerSlam events Triple H has wrestled in. And out of those 13, Triple H holds a record of eight wins and five losses. 12, Shane McMahon will be the guest referee in the United States title match between AJ Styles and Kevin Owens tonight. But it was at the 12th SummerSlam in 1999 where Shane made his SummerSlam debut in a love her or leave her Greenwich Street fight against Test. 
If Shane won, then Tess would no longer be allowed to date Shane's sister, Stephanie McMahon. But if Tess won, then he would be able to continue relations with the younger female McMahon. This night proved to be the coming out party for Shane O'Mac as the rich kid from Greenwich stole the show and showed the world that he can hang with some of the best in the industry. Number 11 brings me to an interesting statistic upon doing my research. The number 11 represents the amount of matches that were on the card for SummerSlam 1990. However, only 10 matches made it on the air. The Outcast match that doesn't get recognized is the match that took place exclusively for the live crowd in Philadelphia that night. In the industry, this is referred to as a dark match, as the former dynamic dude who would go on to ECW fame as the franchise, Shane Douglas, defeated Playboy Buddy Rose. Number 10. Significant because in 1997, just 20 years ago, SummerSlam presented its 10th installment and with a controversial main event headlining this card. The Undertaker would defend his WWF title against Bret the Hitman Hart with special guest referee Shawn Michaels. Heading into this match, Bret Hart and his Hart Foundation were at, a, were at war with American wrestling fans and any American wrestler that stood in their way, especially the main event's guest referee, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. This title match had serious implications as Bret Hart claimed if he was not able to regain the WWF championship, then he would no longer be allowed to wrestle in the United States. Guest referee Shawn Michaels also had serious stakes in this match, as it was well known his history with Hart, and he too had to put his job on the line in the United States of America if he was showing favoritism towards The Undertaker in this match. A back-and-forth affair with Michaels calling the action right down the middle. As things began to heat up, the hitman brought a steel chair into the mix. Michaels, who'd been playing good cop the entire match, tried to get rid of the chair, but not without a little fanfare from the hitman. Tension began to build as both men were arguing over the role this chair had played in the match. But within an instant, an enraged hitman spit directly in the face of Michaels, causing Michaels to swing that chair, only to accidentally nail The Undertaker, who was directly behind Michaels' original target, Bret Hart. A quick duck by the hitman resulted in Michaels laying out The Undertaker with that steel chair and forcing him to count Taker's shoulders to the mat for the 1-2-3. Otherwise, his job would be in jeopardy. As the night was coming to a close, a chorus of boos reigned over the Meadowlands Arena with Bret the Hitman Hart as your new WWF champion. Number nine, Chris Jericho holds the record for being the only superstar in WWE to hold the Intercontinental title nine times. And out of all his appearances at SummerSlam over the years, Jericho has only competed for that championship once in 2004 as he was part of a losing effort in a triple threat match along with Batista where they fell victim to the ultimate opportunist, Edge. Number eight, the very first women's championship match at a SummerSlam event took place in 1994 as WWE Hall of Famer Alundra Blaze defeated Bull Nakano in just over eight minutes and ten seconds. Number seven, lucky number seven was CM Punk's lucky number in 2009 where he would go on to defeat Jeff Hardy in a classic tables, ladders, and chairs match to regain the World Heavyweight Championship. This would be the seventh time the World Heavyweight title was contested at SummerSlam, which brings me to our next number. Number six. Over the years, SummerSlam has been the home for some classic encounters in wrestling history. Some of those classics have been presented to us in the form of the ladder match. That's right, there have been six ladder matches to have taken place in SummerSlam history. Ironically enough, the last time a ladder match took place at a SummerSlam was in the previously mentioned number seven, back in 2009. Now, ladder matches over the years at SummerSlam have had serious implications behind them. Mostly title opportunities have been the prize. The Intercontinental title defended in a ladder match in both 95 and 98. In 2000, 
The Hardys, Edge and Christian and the Dudleys, raised the bar even further with the very first TLC match for the tag team titles. The following year, Jeff Hardy brought his solo act to the ladder match in a losing effort for the hardcore title against Rob Van Dam. But the most controversial prize, if you want to call it that, to hang above the ladder in a traditional ladder match was the legal custody of a child. Yep, you heard me right. Rey Mysterio had to fight Eddie Guerrero for the rights to custody of his son, Dominic. I'll just leave it at that. Number five, the number of times the Intercontinental title changed hands in the first five years of SummerSlam's existence. Ultimate Warrior in back-to-back years, Texas Tornado, Bret the Hitman Hart, and the British Bulldog all managed to capture the Intercontinental title in those first five years of SummerSlam. Mr. Perfect on two occasions, Rick Rude, Honky Talk Man, and ironically, Bret the Hitman Hart, all were a part of history on the losing end. Number four, the number of states in the union of this great country that is the United States of America that hold the record for hosting the most SummerSlam events. New York hosted SummerSlams 88, 91, 98, 02, 2015, and 2016. New Jersey hosted SummerSlams 89, 97, and 2007. Pennsylvania hosted SummerSlam in Philadelphia in 1990 and Pittsburgh in 95. And rounding out this elite class is the great state of California as they hosted SummerSlam a record seven times, 2001 from San Jose and SummerSlam's 09 all the way to 2014 from the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Tonight's event from Brooklyn will tie that record California currently holds. And next year in 2018, as was announced this past week, SummerSlam returns to Brooklyn where they will break the record. Number three, we're getting down to the wire in our SummerSlam by the numbers countdown as I'm adding a little twist to this next number. Number three or more. Number three or more is the number of SummerSlam events several superstars in history have main evented. Not the semi-main event, not a double or triple main event, the last goddamn match on the card before you roll the credits and fade to black. Allow me to list these superstars and their SummerSlam main event resumes. Hulk Hogan at number three. The Immortal One main event at SummerSlams 88, 89, and 2005. Bret the Hitman Hart, a staple of SummerSlam and main event appearances that he could back up, are in 92, 97, and 2010. Triple H has sat atop the SummerSlam main event throne three times. The Rock also three times. The Ultimate Opportunist Edge three times. John Cena, Mr. Make-A-Wish himself, three times. And rounding out the SummerSlam main event graduates are Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. These two are part of that and more club I was referring to. Both these men hold the record of main eventing this show five times. The Beast has made his mark in WWE in the main event at SummerSlam in 02, 2012, 2014, 2015, and last year in 2016. And he may possibly break that record if the Universal title match closes the show. The Undertaker... He's closed the biggest party of the summer in 94, 97, 98, 2008, and 2015 against the very same man he shares this record with, Brock Lesnar. Number two, a magic number that could hold meaning after tonight's event concludes. Number two is the amount of money in the bank cash-ins that have taken place at SummerSlam. First in 2011, CM Punk regained the WWE title in controversial fashion, defeating John Cena. Post-match celebrations commenced, but not for long, as Punk was viciously attacked from behind by a returning Kevin Nash. With a prone Punk in the middle of the ring, 2011 Money in the Bank contract holder Alberto Del Rio came to pick the bones of what was left and walked out of the Staples Center, the new WWE champion. Fast forward two years later, and Daniel Bryan had just won a hard-fought battle against John Cena for the WWE title. 
confetti showered the arenas. The ultimate underdog finally achieved his greatest success in the industry. The celebration continued. Randy Orton, along with his Money in the Bank contract, came marching down to the ring with championship intentions firmly in place. With his back turned, Triple H, who at that time was the guest referee for the Brian Cena title match, sneak attacked Brian from behind and laying him out with a vicious pedigree, resulting in Randy Orton to pick up the pieces and the victory. The authority was born at SummerSlam 2013. Now, could we see another cash-in tonight? Carmella currently holds the Women's Money in the Bank briefcase, and she's not advertised for tonight's pay-per-view. And when originally compiling my notes for this lesson plan, I was in favor of seeing both Money in the Bank contracts cashed in at SummerSlam. But after this past Tuesday, it looks as if WWE Creative doesn't have any long-term championship plans for the male Money in the Bank winner, Baron Corbin, as this character has joined an elite list of Money in the Bank winners to unsuccessfully cash in his briefcase. Could Carmella be on either side of history tonight at SummerSlam, or will she wait to cash in for another day? Now, our final number, number one. What does that number signify in the history of WWE SummerSlam? Well, it could have meaning to a lot of things. For me, though, the only meaning that number has to me is the amount of times a certain group of individuals over the years have main evented the Summer Spectacular. Yes, there are a certain group of superstars that have only closed out the Summer Spectacular on one occasion. Allow me to indulge you with this list. Andre the Giant, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Zeus, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, The Ultimate Warrior, Rick Rude, The British Bulldog, Yokozuna, Lex Luger, King Mabel, The Man They Call Vader, Mankind, Kurt Angle, Booker T, Goldberg, Chris Benoit, The Entire Nexus, John Morrison, and R-Truth. Now that I've assembled this impressive list, are we going to have to add any more to the bunch after tonight? Both championship matches have potential to close out the 2017 edition of SummerSlam, but the smart money says the universal title Fatal 4-Way will close out the show, as three out of the four participants have never main evented the SummerSlam. That is, maybe until tonight. Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, and Samoa Joe look to lay it all out in the line if their championship match with Brock Lesnar closes this show. And over on SmackDown... Jinder Mahal looks to make history as WWE champion by, by becoming the first Indian WWE champ to close out a SummerSlam pay-per-view. His opponent, Shinsuke Nakamura, could not only potentially become the first Japanese WWE champion, but if victorious, he could be the first tried-and-true Japanese wrestler to main event WWE SummerSlam. Folks, I hate, hate to break it to you, but spoiler alert, Yokozuna was really American Samoan. Could any of these five men main event the biggest party of the summer for the first and potentially the last time? It all depends on their performances and how the fans in Brooklyn and all over the world perceive them. Now, I seem to have taken up a fair amount of your time. So enjoy SummerSlam, and remember, after tonight, it's all about the numbers. Class dismissed. Good stuff. As while you were speaking, um, Neville retakes the Cruiserweight Championship. Rocky stands alone. Oh, the victory. <laughs> God damn <laughs> Told you, motherfuckers. Which, I mean, I know, I'll be honest. Like, I don't. I don't. Creatively, I don't agree with it. I. I, I think that really hurts uh, Tazawa. It definitely helps Neville. And Neville like put himself now. Like Neville is definitively like by character and in real life the king of the cruiserweights. Um, I am curious where exactly they're going to go with the Titus brand and everything else. Um, but yeah, we have a new cruiserweight championship. Impressive run. For Akira as champion. <laughs> Impressive run. What a run. Ha. And ha. Neville. 
<laughs> Let's get into some other matches. Let's get into a snooze fest, a match that I don't know if anyone really cares about. Could be a lot of fun, but Randy Orton versus Rusev, seemingly to me something that's kind of been thrown together. Rusev rumblings that he's not too happy with the WWE. And honestly, why should he be? Because they're not doing much with him, although he's been injured for a chunk of time. What to do with Rusev? What to do with the Bulgarian brute? Who knows? But I look at this, honestly, right now, coming out of a program, unsuccessful program with Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton emerges victorious in this matchup. Well, yeah, I I just want to quickly say that I did like the buildup to this match. Simply the, the, the it the promo on Raw with Rusev just going, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, blam. Oh, God. Out of nowhere. <laughs> Out of nowhere. There, awesome. there he goes. His face meets him at. Uh, with, with that being touched upon, like you said, Ken, it's hard to really care about this. It does seem thrown together. The, the hell with it. I'm going to throw in my, t- my hat with Rusev. Um, hopefully, you know, I agree. Let, let's do something with the Bulgarian brood. He deserves some freaking time. Randy is a superstar. He doesn't need a freaking victory. What do you think, Dave? This match, yes, it was thrown together, but it was very basic, and it wasn't done in a terrible way. Rusev said he could beat everyone. He's a heel. Heels lie and cheat. Orton said, try me. So we're at, we're at SummerSlam now. Statistically, I can't see Randy Orton losing another match on pay-per-view. He's lost four pay-per-view matches in a row, three of them to Jinder Mahal with the title on the line. But with that being said, Rusev, who has been reintroduced on SmackDown in somewhat of a top heel kind of, you know, fashion. He's, you know, one of the top guys on SmackDown. At least that's what they're trying to make it out to be. He's being reintroduced, so I can't see him losing either. So I'm going to disagree with both of you guys, and I think we're going to see some sort of non-finish, some sort of, you know, either double count-out, double DQ, whatever. The match may not even start, but the two of them just brawling around the ring, very similar to what happened last year with Rusev and Roman Reigns. So that's my pick, some sort of non-finish. Wow. Three, as I say that the match nobody cares about, three different picks. That's awesome. Rusev, Orton, and a non-finish. And let's keep it going because we got to catch up here. Big Show versus Big Cass with a slight bit of Italian in a cage above the ring. Um, early in this run, as, as we do a little rapid-fire picks, I think Big Cass emerges victorious. I think he has to, and, and Big Show is who he is. He's here to put the new talent over. Big Cass emerges victorious. Dave, your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Big Cass with the victory. But, however, I think we're still going to see some sort of issues with him and Enzo. It wouldn't surprise me if Enzo accidentally cost Big Show the match, even being that high up in the cage. His big mouth has gotten – you know, people closest to him in dangerous situations. And I think tonight we won't, we'll see something similar to that. Rumors are we may see an Enzo heel turn, but then again, he sells a ton of merchandise too. So I don't know how much I re- rely on that rumor. Well, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to uh, seal the hat trick. Uh, and I'm going to actually say that there will be some shenanigans on Enzo's part. And, I would not be surprised if we do see the Enzo heel turn because while he does sell, sell a ton of merchandise, you know, what do you do is after his character has been beaten down by Cass so many freaking times, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. So join him. I, I say Enzo slips, slips Cass something and Cass comes out with a victory. Very interesting. Another hat trick there as we all go with big Cass. 
which essentially means that Big Show will emerge victorious <laughs> in this matchup. As we move through this card, and let's look at John Cena versus Baron Corbin. I don't know, Baron Corbin, Captain Snooze Fest. I thought the thing is with Baron Corbin, look, he's got all the, the makings of a superstar. Big guy, tough-looking, tattoos, the whole nine. Becomes unsuccessful cashing in. This is another part of the build for SummerSlam. I didn't quite understand, even looking at the Cruiserweight title. I don't get now. I really don't get Neville dropping the belt before SummerSlam. I don't get Baron Corbin losing his money in the bank. I, I don't honestly, I don't know. I'm so uninterested in Baron Corbin right now. It's not even funny. I don't know what to make of this matchup. Dave, Dave, I will let you start with the picking, but I thought it was pretty wonky at best. I, I didn't get the, the cash in and being unsuccessful with him. Yeah, I don't ma- I don't know what to make of it. I've heard rumors he's pissed some people off in management with his remarks on Twitter. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his receding hairline wise why he lost the push. I really don't know yet. I really don't care. The one thing that gets me for this is that there's hardly been much buildup. These two just kind of had a, a little minor issue, and then it, you know, they, they made a match for SummerSlam. I don't know. It's I'm not really too interested in it. Um, you know, I, Cena. They, they've been noting on TV that Cena hasn't won a match SummerSlam since 2011, so it kind of leads me to believe that he's gonna take the victory over Baron Corbin. And considering that they didn't really do much with Corbin in this cash-in from Tuesday night, I, I'm kind of going in that direction. So I'm picking John Cena for the victory. Well, yeah, I don't know what they were doing with the whole cash-in failure. That's obviously a, 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 a curveball. But to my point, the money in the bank, to me, is a tool for a, a chicken shit heel, for a weasel heel, which Baron Corbin is not. He's a big dude. He doesn't need a, a tool to, to be uh, somewhere in the main event picture. He's big enough to be like a threat to anyone you put there. Uh, so I didn't honestly, when he won it, I was surprised that he won it. Uh, with all that being said, I agree. We're going to see John Cena pull out the victory somehow. Uh, well, not somehow John Cena is going to pull out the victory, but I will not be surprised if we do not see a, I, I would be surprised if we don't see a Baron Corbin beat down of John Cena at post-match because he should come out of this looking somewhat strong. You'd like to think, or maybe he just pissed off the wrong person, and then that's it. Could be. But I'm, could be. I'm going to make it a hat trick here. Yeah, I think Cena's going to win. He's going to Cena's going to do something stupid where like he's going to pick up Baron Corbin with one hand and climb up a ladder, like and and do a. a I mean, it's like there's going to be some moment in this matchup for us to be reminded that yes, John Cena is ridiculously strong, and he's going to do something. With, with Baron Corbin, that's going to be like, wow, he just did that easy. Um, and then that, that's, all, that's all this match is about. This match is just about giving us a spot where we're reminded that to feel bad about ourselves when we're at the gym. <laughs> so John Cena emerges victorious. And let's go back out to the phones because we got the host of Duke Loves Wrestling. Duke himself is on the line. Let's go out there. Let's bring him up. Let's hope it loads. There we go. Duke, how you doing this evening? That's right. We're talking about the highlight of the night, special delight. The Duke is on the Ken Reedy show. Everybody say, that's right. What's going that's on, right. big brother Ken Reedy? <laughs> how you doing, brother? Thanks for giving us a, a phone call tonight. Curious your thoughts. Uh, 
You know, is there any match tonight on SummerSlam you think is going to jump out as a, as a match of the night? Are you looking forward to the, the show? Do you think they booked it well? What are your thoughts, man? Listen, I'm telling you right now, we're talking about the most valuable player in all of the WWE, Alexa Bliss, Five Feet of Fury. She's taking on the boss, Sasha Banks. I'm telling you right now, you can book this, take it to the bank, Ken Reedy. It's going to be the match of the night. I mean, these two ladies are going to rip each other apart. The fans are going to go crazy. I can't wait to see that match. Who do you think comes out on top in that? You know, in the end, I, I think Alexa Bliss is going to retain, but this feud is just heating up, okay? It's, it's far from anything that even resembles being over because these two ladies are just so fantastic in the ring. They both understand their characters. I mean, just two people who really can get the job done. I can see them headline the next pay-per-view. Interesting stuff. You know, we haven't picked that match yet. Dave, get, let's give your thoughts. Like, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Who wins the the, uh, the women's championship between Bliss and Banks? Um, I think it's going to be a good match. Both both ladies work well together. and uh, But I think there's more of a story to be told with the alliance or friendship of Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. So with that being said, whether Nia Jax gets involved somehow or not, Alexa Bliss walks away with the title tonight. And you know what? I'm See going that? to agree with Duke and Dave. I think Alexa Bliss walks out, and I have no problem going crazy for Alexa Bliss because I am all about five feet of fury. <laughs> let's make it four. I'm going to go with Bliss as well. I, I think this – I'm right there with Duke. I think this has got some legs. Um, Bliss, to me, again, another one of those, those individuals that has shown, like, a lot of improvement over her tenure in the WWE and – I don't necessarily know if I would have looked at her initially as a main event player in the women's division, but Wait, she is. You just would have looked at her. I would have looked at her, yes. <laughs> so that's awesome, you know. And it's amazing, Duke, as, as you look at pro wrestling right now, especially in the WWE. I, I think it's pretty cool that you look at ladies' matches as potential show stealers right now. Well, you know, the, the problem that I have with WWE and the way that they're booking right now, it's almost like they're going backwards. We saw with the four horsewomen, you know, with Charlotte, Sasha, Becky Lynch, and, and you know, Bailey, and, and now even Alexa Bliss coming along here. Naomi doing her thing. Of course, you have the veteran Natty. We have some, some of the top female talent in the world in the WWE right now, and any given night they can steal the show. So you really got to give them the ball and let them run with it because in NXT, they've done it so many times and it's worked. Same fan base, guys. So there's no reason why the women can't continue to headline pay-per-views, headline Raw and SmackDown. They do bring in the ratings. I agree with you. There's no reason, especially when they're putting out, like, five-star matches like that. There's no reason why you can't. What what the hell is New Day wearing? (laughs) I'm like, some superhero kind of outfit with a... A unicorn emblem in in the middle. I just, I, I I don't know what I'm looking at. But okay, I digress. Hey, listen, shout, I, I shout out, agree. shout out Women. to my man Kofi Kingston from Cambridge, Massachusetts. You know, he's a local guy just like me. I'm from Boston. Shout out to Kofi Kingston. I, whatever he's doing, I'm buying. <laughs> <laughs> just shut up and take my money. Exactly. <laughs> That's but right. Yeah, I think That's awesome. right. As long as the ladies are putting on five star matches, why not like? raise the bar and challenge the guys to keep up. I, I think I think it's great. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it, look, you have, 
when you when when you take a look at what happened last night in NXT, I got to be honest with you guys, the, the the final match was just awful between Bobby Roode and you know Drew. It, I, it just it didn't make any sense to me when you had an Oscar and Ember Moon who literally tore the house down last night. That should have been the final match of the night. And I understand that they're continuing, uh, you know, their series, and they have other guys coming in, Red Dragon and what have you, Adam Cole. That's great. But I'm, I'm serious about this. Women's wrestling is where it's at right now. And in order for the WWE to make a profit this fiscal year, they're really going to have to fully commit to the concept of the women's revolution and, and just stop – Stop handicapping these ladies and just let them go, man. I mean, I, I got to disagree. I didn't think the, the match between Rude and, and McIntyre was a bad match, but I agree. Like, you could have – you definitely could have put the ladies on last, and it would have been – you wouldn't have missed anything. Like, the ladies are I definitely – it probably was the match of the night. I dug uh, Rude and McIntyre. I thought it was good stuff. But, yeah, main event-wise um, – they could have, you could have had a ladies' main event last night, definitely. As far as tonight, I'm curious, like, two things I want to ask you. When you look at, like, tonight's card, you have the WWE Championship on the line. You have the Universal title on the line. Which championship do you think headlines tonight? And who do you think comes out victorious in both of them? Well, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, the, the match with the guy who's getting paid more than everybody else in the entire company, up front at least, uh, with Brock Lesnar, is that Universal Championship match has to be the headliner. Uh, I really, really, really expect Samoa Joe to come out on top. I think he's doing some of his best work of his entire career, even better than what he was doing in ROH, and the guy was a monster back then. So I, I, I really am looking forward to seeing what happens there, but I expect Joe to come out on top. Uh, but that doesn't take anything away from Shinsuke and, and also the Maharaja, Jinder Mahal. Those two guys with their completely different uh, styles in the ring, there could be some magic going on there. And I would not be surprised if they put the belt on Shinsuke tonight. Uh, don't hinder the gender. <laughs> God, that, be, that needs to be like it. That needs to be on a t-shirt. Don't hinder the gender. Um, interesting, right. though. I, I mean, I, I, get like, I, I think, you know, when wrestling is good and when you can – and we all, like, we run these shows. You have your show, Duke. Like, we sit here and we be, we're critical of creative time and time again. And I, and I do think rightfully so. I mean, we're the consumers. We're, we're buying the tickets. We're buying the T-shirts. We're allowed to sit here. If we, if we run a podcast and want to be critical, we're allowed to do so. However, I, I think it's intriguing that when you have, when you're looking at a guy like Joe, Samoa Joe, who has a longstanding, quite a resume as a wrestler, that you can look at him and say he's doing his best work now. That's a testament to Joe and what he's doing, but it's also a testament to how the WWE has been using him, and you've got to give them props. If you're going to criticize when they're doing bad, you've got to give props when things are working. And I think it's pretty cool 100%. that, like, when you look at things that you can make a case for every one of those guys in that, in that fatal four-way winning that, that championship, and I think you can make a case for Nakamura and Jinder as well. And it's intriguing because for – this show right now, we all saw Jinder retaining, but you see Nakamura winning that title. And I think that's cool. I think it's great when you have guys that are, like, lifelong wrestling fans that it's not an obvious pick. I think that's pretty cool, and that's when things are going well. And I think the WWE, uh, with a lot of what's going on, they're doing a nice job. And, and 
between WWE, the independent scene, uh, NXT, it's a really good time to be a wrestling fan. If you can just kind of hang back and pump the brakes and not be overly critical of, of a lot of things, there's a lot of good wrestling out there right now, and it's pretty cool to be a fan. And uh, I, I think it's awesome, Duke, that you think you know Samoa Joe is doing his best work now, and I happen to agree with you. I'm going to hold off on my pick till a little bit later on, but I, I, I think, you know, he is definitely a, a candidate that I could see him, I could definitely see it happening, and I've always been a fan, and it's pretty cool right now to see Samoa Joe. Um, you know, when it comes to the WWE, as talented as Joe has been his entire career, it really is until the, if you make it to the WWE as a main eventer, where the world of wrestling fans will take you seriously, and I am very happy for Samoa Joe, for the world to be seeing how talented he is. No, no, no doubt about it. You know, I, I had a conversation with uh, Looney Lane, Jenny Looney Lane. Shout out to her. She started off with Joe out in California when, when he and Cena were just breaking into the business. And, you know, the three of them, they were, were just struggling kids trying to figure it out, you know. And, and when you even talk to her about those two guys and, and the friendship that they've had through the years and what have you. We're talking Joe and Cena. Can you imagine if the two of them were the Lockhorns for the Universal Championship? Do you know what kind of money that would do? And, and just the background story of two guys who broke into the business together, essentially? I mean, sign me up right now. So, I mean, there's, there's something about Joe where his promos are on point. He, he has that realism. He's the only person that's been able to take it to Brock Lesnar and legitimately be a threat to Brock Lesnar in recent years. Uh, the guy just has money written all over him. And with John Cena moving on to, to Raw, I just can't see how they're not going to make that match. It sells itself. It's a good point, man. I mean, that's, I, I would I would love to see that. You're right. It's built-in story right there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a simple storytelling. And, and Samoa Joe... Um, yeah, how about we just make him a badass, and when he cuts a promo, talk about being a badass. You know, and that, that, that's it. And uh, they've, they've made it work, and yes, yeah, so, you're right, 100%. Sign me up for Cena versus Samoa Joe. Uh, Samoa's a made man. Uh, Joe is, is right there as a main event player. Um, I could get behind Cena, Samoa Joe, and you know what? You could put a match like that, book it. There doesn't necessarily need to be a title involved. You could just have the two sure. of them. The story tells itself. Um Interesting stuff. I like where your head is at. So, before we let you go, though, give us everything. If, if fans of our show want to listen to your show, uh, where can they check out your show and give it a listen? Well, listen, folks. Duke loves wrestling. You can head over to YouTube. You can head over to iTunes, SoundCloud. It's all, all the, the top podcast apps. Check us out. We drop the show Thursdays after 11 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a tape show. So that way you can listen to it at your leisure. But we get all the top guests from all over the wrestling world, journalists like uh, Hall of Famer Peter Vesey from the NBA. I mean, just off-the-wall people who you'd never expect to be pro wrestling fans, but they certainly are. And, and i got to just throw something out there, Ken Reedy, because you know you're my big brother, and I appreciate you, brother. You've been in the podcast game for a long time. I know that you have a person there, Michelle 3D, Michelle with one L. And I know that, you know, you can't really speak too much on the show because she might mush you up a little bit. Ken Reedy, I'm inviting you to come on this week to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast so you can speak openly and let me know what the real story is with that Michelle with 1L because I know she's a little tough over there. 
So th- this is an open invitation to you, my brother. Come on to the Duke Loves Wrestling show. And I and she is she is quite the, the tough cookie. And and I know the L thing is definitely a, a bone of contention <laughs> that uh, it is only one L. But yes, I I, I would be psyched to do it to kind of uh, kind of take the censors off and kind of. Uh, Speak right. freely. So, yes, by all means, I'd love to be on your show this Thursday night. So, thanks for the invite, and uh, I look forward to it, man. That's good stuff. And listen, thanks again uh, to all you guys there. I love the Ken Reedy show. Ken Reedy is one of the pioneers in the podcast game, talking about pro wrestling. Very well respected in the game, and it is an honor to be on this show here. You're too kind. Thank you so much. And I also, like, I look forward to Thursday night, but don't be a stranger. Give us a call again real soon, man. Take it easy. You got it. You got it. Later, Take care, bro. fellas. Enjoy the show tonight. Bye. Right, good stuff. Like I like these like awesome. podcast hosts like calling in as uh as I'm inviting everyone to join the show, just to let everyone know like we're gonna go on hiatus for a couple of weeks. Because <laughs> like Man, don't be a stranger, call in. Uh the next couple of weeks we're gonna take in our, our own summer vacation, have a couple of Sunday nights off and we'll be back uh oh, what's uh, I think it's September tenth. September 10th, we'll be back. Uh, so a couple weeks off, but, uh, you know, enjoy the end of your summer as we get set for the biggest party of the summer as we uh, we all hat-tricked for bliss during uh, Duke Loves Wrestling's call. And let's uh, get back into it. We talked about this earlier as far as gimmicks go, but Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Um, I think it's going to be a fun match. Uh, it, it's interesting because I, I just look at uh, – Bray is someone who, I, I don't know. I don't know where his, his wrestling career is going, but I'm still into him. I'm still into Bray. Um, I would have really liked to have seen, as I said earlier, uh, Finn Balor give us uh, I Have Demons 2 and let that lie. Don't spoon feed us. It would have been cool to, to speculate whether the demon was going to be showing up as opposed to a graphic that just tells us the demon will be showing up. Um that all being said, I, I think it's something that the, the demons here, um, they're high on Finn. Uh, I think Finn needs some work. Finn needs some seasoning. In all honesty, I think a little bit the um, the injury may have been a blessing in disguise because I don't know if Finn was ready to be a main eventer on the main roster yet. Um, I think it should be a very entertaining matchup with two uh, – very interesting characters. Um, I think Finn winds up victorious against Bray Wyatt. Well, yeah, I agree with you, Ken. It, Finn, he got he shot up to the top very quickly, uh, and perhaps that injury was a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, you have Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's character, uh, I think, his character transcends wins and losses because let's face it, if you took stock of his character versus the wins losses he's had on pay-per-views, then I think the general consensus would be Bray Wyatt sucks. He doesn't win a lot on pay-per-views, but it doesn't matter because that character is just so, so foreboding and so menacing. uh, And he, he plays it to the hilt and I have nothing but love for Bray Wyatt. But uh, in this instance, I think that again, Finn needs to push. Finn uh, needs to climb that ladder, and Bray is going to be a rung on that ladder. I say uh, Finn Balor, the demon, for the victory. And Dave? I'm digging this match. Both have dark characters, and I don't see this ending anytime soon. 
Uh, I kind of dug the fact that Wyatt took that hibiscus acidic liquid and poured it all over him. Uh, the other night to set up the whole Yeah, but you know, here's the thing. If they didn't label it what it was, then everybody on the goddamn internet would be like, oh, they're copying the brood. It's a bloodbath. So they, they, they give it a name, and then everyone is still going to be up in arms about it. But regardless of that, um, <laughs> I, I agree with you, Ken. I didn't think the whole demon, like, you know, announcing breaking news, the demon returns. Like, I didn't think that was necessary. I think they should just let that story play out. People would have known it, what it was, but let it play out. Let it get the reaction. It didn't get as big of a reaction as they thought it did by putting the graphic on the screen. Here's what I'd like to see out of this match. I'd like to see a return of the Wyatt family. We haven't seen Harper and Rowan on TV in months, and I know that they both got potential to do a lot of stuff on their own, but when they get together with Bray and they have that family, and there's, like I said, there's still a lot left on that table for that gimmick and that stable to really sink their teeth into creatively, and I think if you were to have them opposing a Finn Balor, I think whether he's the demon or not, I think it would help get more people behind him and, and, and be more sympathetic to him that he's got, you know, the whole Wyatt family kind of all up in his stuff and, and, and causing havoc for him in WWE, which then hopefully would lead to maybe the club reforming with Anderson and Gallows. But that's just wishful thinking. With that being said, I see more out of this, this angle. I think it's going to be a good match. I think it'll be a fun match. But I think Finn Balor is going to take the victory. And like Rocky said, wins and losses don't matter to Bray Wyatt. It's all about being menacing and causing havoc. And I think he'll do that after this match, despite losing to uh, Finn Balor. Finn, the Finn Hattrick. Interesting stuff. The Demon. And then the crowd's going to pop hard for that. Like It's, just going, to, it's going to be a oh, fun yeah. entrance, you know. Um, good stuff. And let's get back into, we got the raw tag team championship on the line. Cesaro and Sheamus versus the reuniting of two thirds of the shield. Those guys just, uh, keep, uh, kept hinting. It's like, will you fist me? I'll fish you. I don't know if I want to fish you yet. All right. Now I want to fish you. Well, I don't know if I want to fish you. Who's fisting who? Finally, they fisted each other. There's a whole lot of fisting going on. Wait, maybe it's, it's pound. I don't know. Am I using the wrong verb? They they pounded each other. They're pounding each other. So, <laughs> oh, the turn. I, <laughs> I honestly thought that was like ridiculous. I was just like, the fist is out. Oh, I don't want to fist you now. Okay, no, now now I want to, but now I don't want to. It was like, Jesus Christ, just get it just stop. But again, who am I? Because eventually, when they fisted each other. <laughs> The crowd popped. So go ahead. I mean, so the crowd pops are fisting. What do I know? Oh. <laughs> oh. And the Ken Reedy show takes a new turn. I might have to change the ratings on it. <laughs> Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins versus Cesaro and Sheamus. Um, one interesting tidbit. I do wonder do we have perhaps, and I'm not saying this is my pick, do we have a reuniting of the Shield with all three guys wearing gold? Brooklyn, a smarky crowd. Could you imagine if all three guys of the Shield closed the show? Ro- the one way you can get Roman Reigns to get a pop and the crowd to be into it is if that show ends with Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose fisting each other, <laughs> but all wearing gold. Oh, Jesus. Who knows if that's happened? Since I got Rocky getting the giggles, I'm going to you start off with the picks. Who wins this matchup? 
Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Ken, for that awesome buildup. Uh, this match, you know what? Uh, at the beginning, for me, it did feel like a thrown-together match. Uh, I wasn't that wild about the buildup of it. And like you said, I was. I, I watched Raw. I watched the whole fisting incident <laughs> back and forth. And I was like, oh, let's get, let's get it done already. Um, but it does lead to an interesting conclusion. Uh, that being, and I know the meme has been floated around online, is you could potentially have all three members of the Shield having gold. Because the one thing I, I, I kept thinking when you had Seth and, and Dean going back and forth is like, wait a minute, the Shield isn't two guys. The Shield is three guys. So what's going to happen at the end of this? So to, to make no further ado, I'm actually going to put it out there. I think Seth and Dean are going to become victorious and be the new tag team champions for the Raw brand. That's my pick. Dave, your thoughts? To sum up this storyline, this match, you said it earlier, simple storytelling. But after your fisting dissertation, (laughs) (laughs) um, you're right. It was kind of annoying. It was like, you know, no, here's my fist. No, here's my fist. No, here's my fist. No, if you're not going to fist me, I'm not going to fist you. Like, it was, was, I mean, it, it, it really was. It's like, oh, you don't want to give me your fist? Fine. Well, I'm not going to give you my fist. Like, I'm leaving. No, wait, come back. I'll give you my fist. Like, it was, it, it was, they milked it a little bit too long. They milked that thing a little bit too long. But when they fisted, finally, the whole place was overjoyed that they fisted. I'll go on the same thing. The buildup to get to that point until the fisting expedition, if you will, between the two of them Monday night, I thought it's been pretty good stuff. Um, simple and basic, but nothing over the top. Um, I'm picking that this match is the sleeper match of the night. Cesaro and Sheamus have a very physical style, and Ambrose and Rollins, they just kind of throw caution to the wind. And I think it's going to be a good mix for a really good match. I'm going on record to say this would be the match of the night. So with that being said, Ambrose and Rollins, your new Raw Tag Team Champions. And you, you stole my thunder a little bit there, but I could see this being a dark horse match of the night kind of kind of thing. Um, I mean, Cesaro's a guy that's gone underutilized on this roster. Um, being in a tag team, I, I think they've done a great job with him and, and Sheamus as a tag team. But I think it goes a little bit unnoticed that he kind of flies under the radar. As a singles guy, people were so enamored with how talented Cesaro is. And, and as a tag team, I think it's kind of flying under, but he's still that guy. And he's talented. And you got four guys in there that really can go, uh, guys that know how to tell a story. And I do think there's a potential match of the night stealer. And I'm right there with you. I think the Shield emerges as your tag team champions, uh, hinting at a, a full three, three-member Shield reunion. But we got gold on two of the former Shield members as we get back into our picks. Tonight, as I'm looking up and down the road, which one? AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens for the U.S. title with Shane McMahon serving as a special guest referee. Interesting stuff here. I think it's going to be a kick-ass matchup. This is one of those storylines that I would love. I would love. Look, whatever. I'll put my pick in. I think some shenanigans going to happen with Shane McMahon. Some screwy stuff, some 
rigmarole, if you will, and AJ Styles is going to lose his U.S. title to Kevin Owens. I am praying that we have some, at some point, Kevin Owens cutting a promo about the U.S. title and how he's the man and he's better than everybody and no one can touch him and he's the greatest champion of all time. And then, glorious! That's what I want. That's what I'm hoping for. I, I think that, that would just be insane. But I, I, to me, I want to see Bobby Roode start him slow. Bring him into the, the – don't bring him into the main event picture too soon. Build him. Bring him into that mid-card. Give him a solid mid-card feud, then bump him up. Again, sure. probably the MVP of the WWE right now, but you don't want to bring him along too fast. I digress. So, like I said, I think Owens emerges victorious. Something screwy happens here uh, with Shane McMahon, but I, that's where the shift is. Kevin Owens, you're new U.S. champion. And with all that, Ken, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, I like the build-up to this match. I think it's been great. The whole chemistry between Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, and Shane McMahon. Uh, this past SmackDown, when you saw Kevin Owens super kick Shane McMahon, and oh, oh my God, oh, what did I do? But you still have that animus between Shane and AJ Styles. And I think what this is going to lead to is, you know, once uh, Kevin Owens comes out with a belt, you're going to have some conflict between Shane and AJ. And you're going to see another Shane and AJ because everyone wants to see that again. I, I know I do. So I'm going to agree with you, Ken. Kevin Owens becomes, again, the new face of America. Are you effing kidding me here? Are you goddamn mother effing kidding me? Captain Standalone, the Usos, your new tag team champion. <laughs> goddamn motherfucker, you too. You gotta be kidding me, man. Oh, Jesus, God. And I love the Usos. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't, I didn't back you, man. Anyway, Dave, your I thoughts on the U.S. You. title match? I'm expecting it to be a good match, um, but I'm also expecting some sort of shenanigans with Shane McMahon. And originally, before I came down to my final pick this evening, I was going to go with Owens. And somehow, Shane was going to accidentally kind of do what Shawn Michaels did, um, you know, in 97, where he would, you know, get baited by you know, Owens to do something physical. He would accidentally hit AJ, but he'd be forced to count the pin. Uh, but I don't think they're going to go that route, because I think They've done that before with the whole, you know, Daniel Bryan Miz thing and Miz being the mid-card heel champion. So I don't think they're going to do that again. I'm going with AJ for the victory. And, well, you know, the the standalone's working well so far tonight. So (laughs) perhaps you emerge victorious. Uh, You know, like to me, this is the main event. And I got to tell you, man, like it's interesting, but as much as I think that SmackDown has been – the better show for the most part since the brand split. I got to tell you, in, in, on this pay-per-view, I'm more into the Raw matches than the SmackDown matches. And I love what they've done with the main event picture. I love what they've done with the Universal title. It matters. Um, with all due respect to Jinder Mahal, and they're building a character, and I get it. But right now in the WWE, to me, like today... August 20th, 2017, the Universal title is more prestigious to the WWE title. It just is right now. 
And is this a return for the WWE on some levels, a return to the big men? And that, that's like that, that's where my fandom is. I, I dig the big guys. Um, Fatal 4-Way, I think they've booked this brilliantly. I think having uh, four guys that you could see holding that championship belt, the fact that it is the universal title and not the WWE title, could Braun Strowman walk away with it? Absolutely. Because sure. um, in the... In the grand scheme, in the, in the bigger picture, the WWE title is more prestigious. I'm just saying right now uh, the universe title is a little bit bigger. Um, I think you made a case for all four of these guys. Absolutely. Um, to Duke's point, what they've done with Samoa Joe is great. Um, he is a main event player. So I, I think everything, everything they've done, as I talked about Bobby Roode to start the show, Everything the WWE has done to book this fatal four-way has worked. And, and you got the guy, you got the monster among men in Braun Strowman, the beast incarnate who is holding the championship, who ended the streak. You got the dog, the big dog. It's his yard now who essentially retired the Undertaker. And then you got Samoa Joe, who a lot of fans look at as the only guy who legitimately was able to take it to Brock Lesnar. You got four guys who are big, hard-hitting, badass mother effers, all of which can make a case for winning this title. I think, again, we've been critical at times. Credit where credit is due. Great work creatively. Great storytelling with all four of these guys. When I look at this match, Dave, I look at almost picture-perfect booking, Again, give credit where credit is due. And honestly, for me, um, like we talked about a dark horse match as far as the tag team championship match, the Shield versus Aaron Sheamus. Um, this isn't really a dark horse match. Um, it's a fatal four-way for the universal title with four main event type guys. I, I could see this being the match of the night, and I see violence and mayhem and plunder, if you will, baby. I, I'm just so looking forward to this match, Dave. Again, I, I, I would borderline say picture-perfect booking. Yeah, they've done great work with all four guys getting to this point tonight, and I think we're going to see, like I said a few weeks ago, a train wreck, but in a good way. Um, I think the Brooklyn crowd's going to be into it. I think it's going to close the show. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about this match. This is the match I'm looking forward to the most, the main event of this event. Um, we've heard lots of rumors about Brock's whereabouts, what he's going to do after this match. Um, but I don't think he is losing the championship. I'm going to pick Brock Lesnar. And I think Brock going forward, especially if he's advertised next month for no mercy, you're not going to advertise him without the belt. And I think when Brock has the belt, it's bigger stakes. But getting by these three guys, I think, will be a tough challenge for his character. But I think it will also help the other three characters as well, being in the main event with a guy like Brock Lesnar. So with that being said, train wreck city, Brock Lesnar takes the victory. Well, that, that is a very legitimate pick. Uh, and Dave brings up very legitimate points. But I am going to disagree. Um, I agree with you. This, this match is a clash of the titans. Th- this match... On its own, it's perfect for one of the big four, and it was booked perfectly. Uh, and you could absolutely make a case for anybody coming away with this with a belt. Absolutely. Um, 
I don't think it's going to be Brock. Uh, not that I would I not that I wouldn't be happy if he did. Uh, I think it would it would be perfect if he did, but I don't think it's going to be him. Don't think it's going to be Braun. Braun, again, he he's great. He works well in the ring. He is a monster. Young men doesn't need a belt to prove it. Absolutely not. That leaves me with Roman. That leaves me with Joe. Joe, I give full respect for Joe because I think he's a tremendous competitor. And I think when he does win the belt, I think he's going to do that in a one-on-one. It's me versus you type matchup. That would, that would cement him as a true champion. In this case, alluding to the earlier match with uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose picking up the tag team titles, I think you are going to complete the trifecta and have Roman Reigns as the new Universal Champions, and you will see a reuniting of the Shield, all holding those red belts. I got to tell you, it kills me that you made that pick. It <laughs> kills me that you made that pick. Um, it is, you know, and again, I... And, and maybe I'm being too positive, but whatever. We, we're negative at times. And uh, um, I, I just think when you look at these four guys, like, they really um, – and Strowman's kind of the newer guy, and but Samoa Joe still had to be built. But you, you really took uh, four guys and, and made them – with a guy like Brock Lesnar, who is the beast incarnate, um, that you put three guys in the ring with him, all of which – you believe can win this matchup, all of which can walk away at the universal title, um, all of which make it a really difficult match to pick. And I think when you look at like the WWE, you look at pro wrestling, you, you always got to remember that pro wrestling, especially the WWE 365 days a year, you know, uh, two pay-per-views a month, uh, you know, raw SmackDown each and every week, house shows, uh, that just because you don't get crowned with that belt at SummerSlam does not necessarily mean your shit's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think fans get a little too caught up with, you know, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're so Barry and Strowman because they didn't win. Oh, my God. But, he, like, for all we know, he could, like, have a rematch tomorrow night and win the belt. Sure. You know, it, it's just it, wrestling keeps going. It's ongoing process. Um, and like a guy like Strowman and even a guy like Reigns, like their careers are going to be long. Um, you don't necessarily need to put straps on them right away. Um, and, and a guy like Strowman, you know, once you put that belt on them, especially as a young talent, all you have to go is down. Once you have it, like, it's so much easier booking someone when they're pursuing the title, when they win that title, you're not going to hold that title for the next 10 years. All, the only place you have, the only way you have to go is down. That's all. And then like how you recover after that. But once Braun Strowman gets that universal title, how are you going to book inclusive? That's what you got to look like. Who's going to beat him for it? So I, I, the upside is so big for Strowman. I don't think you put the belt on him yet. Um, I am born. And, and I think Samoa Joe, what they've done has been great too. I don't think you put the belt on just yet. I might, you might see him with the WWE title. There'll be a brand shift. Um, I think he's a main event player now. It's tough for me because I look at the Reigns thing and I do think <laughs> of like, God, that crowd would pop hard. And the logic there is they've been trying to get Roman Reigns over with the crowd. 
And if he is holding that universal title with the rest of the shield, the Brooklyn crowd is going to be into that. The Brooklyn crowd will, the only way that Brooklyn crowd pop for Roman Reigns winning the universal title is if he's standing in the ring with a reunited shield, all wearing gold. That is the only way the crowd pops. The crowd shits all over Reigns if you don't have that scenario. That's it. That's all that works. That all being said, I think the UFC shit was floated on purpose. We're getting swerved and that title. We're not going to get a Shield reunion, at least not yet. And I think Brock Lesnar retains the title. It's all leading towards you don't have to pin the champion. Everything's telling us that Brock is going to lose the belt, which is why I think Brock retains the belt. You guys who called us tonight, thank you so much. Thank you, a couple marks. Thanks for Duke Loves Wrestling. You guys enjoy SummerSlam. We're on hiatus. See you in a few weeks. For Dave and Rock, I'm Ken. Good night, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.